The other thing that I've been doing off of that is I've been saying mom and getting people to turn around and then looking at them and then looking them up and down and being like, you're not my mom and walking away <laughs> like a mic drop. And, and, and how does that go? Different ways. These tools are for you to Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. I'm Dave Marr. I'm a comedian. I live in Chicago. Nine years ago, I survived a month-long coma, and I woke up with questions. And this is the podcast of those questions. This week, I'm talking to John Michael, who performed his newest solo play, Spank Bank Time Machine, at the Neo-Futurist Theater in November. It is a very wild, funny audience interactive show about his friends who died of overdoses where he hands out boxes of Narcan. So if you can't tell from that collection of things, we are comrades in arms when it comes to performance, solo plays, being funny, the world of independent art. He also is quick to remind me that we have a sibling dynamic, which I do think is on display in this conversation. So check out the show notes to follow John Michael and join my Patreon at patreon.com slash Dave Marr for extended episodes and bonus content. Thank you to Pigeon Patrons G, Barry Fontenot, Shuba Singh, Debo, Fred Fidoa, and Katie Llewellyn. Happy belated birthday, Katie. Word of mouth is the best promo for an independent artist like me. So subscribe to the show, leave a review, or tell a friend. Thank you. And here's my conversation with John Michael. I grab your whip and take it back to Shatown. When I'm in Shatown, I treat it like I feel the need to turn the show over to you briefly because it seemed like you had some things you really wanted to say that don't really fit the the format of the show. And I kept being like, you know that that's not really like the sh- that I like have yeah, like yeah, yeah, questions. Yeah, 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 yeah. But if I could tell your audience what Narcan is quickly. For a moment, is that is that are, are there other no no that, things that's, you want, that's what you want to do yeah, yeah just well yeah go. that would probably come up but okay so yeah tell tell us okay yeah. so um, Narcan is the only FDA approved time machine um, time travel window is six minutes after you overdose but you can't time travel by yourself with Narcan so you should never use drugs alone unless if it's marijuana. Time travel tips include angling the Narcan time machine away from the center of the face. It's a nasal spray. And also, I'm waiting two to three minutes in between each dose. Uh, Narcan time machines, uh, the boxes that carry them come with two because fentanyl is such a booger. Right. And you want to wait two to three minutes in between. But yeah, that's my thing that I like to talk about. Yeah, that's great. Um... Giving it out, Dave, has made me feel very uh, uh, grounded to uh, my friends more than more than the show sometimes. Paint your hell. No one can give me a compliment, and I can't <laughs> hear a laugh. So, like right now, it was just really funny, and my hell would be Dave just looking at me. Okay. 
that although Dave was enjoying my joke, my answer, I couldn't enjoy them enjoying it. Right. And that's the whole entire point of living, like enjoying people's joy off of of your of your own <laughs> no work. well but that's part of it and then you enjoy their joy and then your joy becomes their joy and it's all nice yeah but it's but it, the the key th- thing is that it's your <laughs> it's my hell so my hell is that i can't i can't be funny uh-huh so i i then th- it's, that's just like my survival mechanism how i you know cope is yeah. by you know getting reactions from people (laughs) what are what are the most what are the earthly like non like what are the situations you have encountered in your life that are like this because certainly you've been in a situation high school middle school Mm. college all when i was in the closet i was in the closet for 21 years i was very uh um nervous and uh um i was still loud but I would second guess everything I would do. Were you being funny or were, and people didn't feel like they could laugh or were you stifling the funny? Um, the, the closest I got to friends, but beyond two to three loyal people was the theater department quoting jokes I would do unintentionally just because I sounded so different back then. Ooh. So they would like, do their John Michael impersonations and greet me and like I was their mascot in a in a theater department way. yeah in a shitty way Fuck. but that was more than like getting sawdust in my backpacks yeah so, yeah were you god damn it um, I was also on 120 milligrams of meth prescribed to me by teachers right. who didn't know how to handle uh, Vyvanse uh, Ritalin Adderall Adderall okay yeah yeah so I was on 120 milligrams of meth, and it was prescribed to me. You know what I just realized? Oh, my God. Do you know who Mike Watt is? No, but it's a cool name. It is a cool name. He's one of my heroes. He's been on the podcast. He's the bass player for the 1980s punk band, The Minutemen. I don't know that band. Yeah, they're a very good band. I don't. I don't know if it's your style exactly. You no, know I have an eclectic taste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Music. You, you might like it. I it's love like, Arthur Russell. I, I, I just got. Um, I think. I think the. I the, came out to uh, "Love Is Overtaking Me." You I listened, came out. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I came out to. I came out to "Love Is Overtaking Me," uh, "Halcyon Digest" by the Deer Hunter. And the Smiths. Those were my three rotations while I was coming out. Arthur Russell's love. What do you mean? Like you put, so you, you six, gathered people in a room and pressed play on the. No, no. So the six months before I came out of the closet, I was thinking I could possibly not be straight. Mm. Turns out I was right. Yeah. But in that process, <laughs> I was listening to music gotcha, over and gotcha, over. Gotcha. Okay. And I was coming out. I thought it, you made like a production out of it and you were like, no, but Hold I can't make a production out of an answer to a question. I know. But <laughs> I just got the Arthur Russell biography. Duke Press is doing a 50% off sale. So I got it for like 14 bucks. I literally, it's on my desk right now. Can we look at it? We can look at it later. Yeah. Okay. Later. Uh, yeah, later. Um, but Mike Watt, he's in this band and they, they, the, these three guys are so tight knit that especially him and the guitar player have 
like a lingo that they speak that's just like they can just go and it's and it's all you you, you people couldn't keep up so like a DIY sort of existence and like keeping things cheap and like sleeping on floors. All of that was, were they in Chicago, uh, Southern California, but then, you know, they were a nation band. Nationwide. (laughs) Um, and the, 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 they were, they would sleep on the floor and they called the style Econo. So they're, they're, the documentary about them is called We Jam Econo. Mm. So they're like, everything's Econo. Uh, everything, he always calls food chow. Um, and, and it's just these little things that he calls the base the thud staff. And it's literally like, it, it's not affected, but it is so complete, this, this vocabulary difference, that it's a wavelength you have to tune in on, Right. And I just realized that that like that I just realized that you're the same way and it makes a lot of it's it's making sense of you in a way that I really oh. am am uh, Oh no. What? What do you mean oh no? I now make sense to you. Yeah, I'm sorry. Damn it. I'm sorry. All no, this time. But I'm just I'm just I've like been keeping it up. That's impressive when you can you can befuddle someone for that long. It someone, is true. someone as smart as you, too. No, but when you, I'm, what I'm saying is like when you're saying like I say come instead of cool, I'm just like John Michael. What the fuck is this about? What are we? What just say cool, you know? But then I'm like, but when Mike Watt does it, I'm like, oh, Mike Watt is mysterious, and so I'm like, I should give you the same leeway. But because we have a sibling rivalry relationship, Do we have a sibling our- rivalry. I think you're winning. My <laughs> oh, that's not about winning. What else is a rivalry about? Oh yeah, I'm winning. I <laughs> buy for the listeners. What do you hope happens when you die? I see my mom. I see Matt. I see Scout. I see um, Ken. I see Cody. I see who they miss. And I, um, I almost just said I, I don't have to be funny, which is wild because I like being funny. Mm-hmm. But when I think about being funny, I f- think about how they made me feel. What and do you mean? So they were so funny. And part of, in a weird way, I'm not playing any characters in my new play. Um, They're all me. And, you know, um, a big part of my current personality is my mother's sense of humor. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when I miss them, I try to make people feel the way they made me feel. So I wouldn't have to do that. Because they would just be there. Yeah. Do you imagine all of them in the same space together? I mean, it is, there is a, a whole second act fantasia in your show of, 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 of gay heaven, a gay heaven. Right. So is it just like that or is it around, you know, that everyone's at, I like don't pizza so, hut or something. That's so funny. No, not everyone's in Pizza Hut. I would say that it could be anything I wanted it to be. It could be anything they wanted it to be. 
Um, I would say sometimes we're together. Sometimes we're doing one-on-one things. Yeah. Um, you know, um, if gay heaven were real and my mother was there to welcome me, um, if I didn't get rescued by Narcan and ended up in gay heaven with my mother, what would have happened would five minutes in, I would be complaining about her. I would be complaining about her mm. cooking for the orgies and being like, does she have to be there mm. <laughs> in gay mm. heaven? And I would be complaining about how all my friends would love her because that's what I was like when she was real. You know, didn't really appreciate it. But like to me, I want the innocence of being bratty again towards her. I miss that. You want that. Yeah. So your 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 paradise is not an absence of that brattiness. It's the presence of it. Yeah. Do you think she liked it? Well, like is your is your afterlife I mean, a torture to her? That's hilarious. No, no, no. Um we were s- s- silly either way. The one answer that I thought of is my memory answer and you're, the, the answer that you've thought of for the, the questions for the podcast. Yeah, that's yeah. one answer I thought. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. try to think of others, but then I was like, nah, just think of that one. Okay. Yeah. And, and the reason why I bring that up right now is because, like, her sense of humor, it was all about, like, teasing and, like, being, like, being, like, kind of, like, is she fucking with me for fun or is it like, what's going on here? Yeah. Oh, wait, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I feel a kinship with this style of teasing. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's just do it. Do it. Well, it sounds like you want to relive one memory where if the afterlife had a room where you could go and just completely re-experience a single memory and pop out of it anytime. You have chosen a memory. Tell me the memory. It's on my mother's bed palace. She had this big bed frame with these four mahogany wood uh, spears that would go almost up to the ceiling, like on each side of the bed. And on her bed, when she wasn't sleeping on it, she'd be watching TV. And she had, you know, uh, like like an altar. She had lemons. She had a cuticle station where she would trim my nails. And she had her newspaper and she had her book. Sometimes she would have photos and, you know, the phone book. And This one, is all on, on the bed? On her, her bed. Oh, her, on the bed. Okay. On her bed, her bed palace. Yeah. And, you know, she would have her lemons that she would lick. And, <laughs> you know, what's great about this memory is it's surrounded by so many other memories of being on my mom's bed palace. Mm -hmm. And one time when I was 12, I heard her crying in her bed palace. And I went up to her and I said, Mom, why are you crying? And she says to me, I miss my mother. And then I say, but she died two years ago. (laughs) Like she should be over it. Yes. Yeah. And what she, how did she respond? Well, she did a lot of things okay, at once. Okay. She like looked away because she was mad, but she also like would look away sometimes when she like was thinking. And then she like came back to me and leered and said, one of these days I'm not going to be here and there's going to be nothing you can do about it. And that was true. 
Well, yeah, of course it's true, but she was saying it with the sort of mischievous glint in her eyes yeah. that you have right yeah. now. Okay. <laughs> and how did you respond to that? Did you start I crying? didn't believe her. I just said whatever and I left. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, so that's an example of her sense of humor? And one of my favorite memories. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's nice because it's like, and it should make us really happy because my mother had been dead for so long when I had that memory. Mm. And, you know, we don't know what words mean anymore. We don't know what the word adventure means. That adventure implies something bad had to happen. You know, mm. we don't know that. We don't know that remember doesn't mean recall. Remember means build. Member, the root word member, M-E-M-B-E-R, that means to build. And that's how memory works. You have to build yourself up to it. Mm -hmm. For the longest time, I forgot a lot of things about her. Yeah. Um, but that memory came, you know, it seems so insignificant when it happened to me. No. Um, but, but well, it, it doesn't seem insignificant. When it's, it happened. When it happened. Well, Which is why I didn't choose to timestamp it in my memory. <laughs> no, totally. <laughs> but it seems less insignificant than it does potentially i mean we i don't want to say traumatic it it, it seems like that it's someone could use that story as an example of bad parenting you know what i mean i think of it as like an example of how she wanted me to react to it all um when one of her best friends got a cancer um diagnosis she went up to her and said I know everyone's going to be saying sorry, but I know you're getting attention, so I don't feel too bad for you. <laughs> Question. I can be like other people and be sad and do yeah, that. Yeah. But I'm also better at being funny. Can I be your fun friend? Sure, sure. So the person said, yes, be my fun friend. The last day of that person's life, my mother gets notice that her friend Mary was going to die. And so she goes to the hospital room and the scene is in meatball seance and she sees everyone around my mom's friend um, is very sad, but my mom's friend is bored. So my mm -hmm, mom's friend mm -hmm. calls her a, a hag and says, you, you should wear makeup in front of guests <laughs> just because yeah. you're about to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, that's, I feel like it's, it was a kind of giving me the compass of what my North should be. And that is, you know, I have the gift of my mother, who's my muse, and her sense of humor is just so wonderful. Well, so this is interesting to me. This this is also a a thing I think about your work. And so my favorite line in the Spank Bank <laughs> show is the one where you're saying that you know, online, everyone's talking about cutting out your toxic friends. I, I, I have the script on me if you want to read the line. No. <laughs> <laughs> you can say the line if you... If you so, Great, I can say the line. Yeah. Um, ooh. So this is talking about Fun Monster, my best friend who yeah. OD'd. Yeah. And when he met me, I think he knew I too was a high-maintenance friend. Yes. I think when he met me, he knew I struggle to regulate there are mean memes out there <laughs> memes that say self-care is cutting your toxic friends out of your life 
Wait, are they talking about me? Don't cut your toxic friends out of your life. Introduce them. No, that wasn't how you did it at the show I saw. No, 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 no. It was better at the show I saw. Well, of course because, it was. There was an audience. Well, right. But it, it wasn't. First of all, the word mean memes is really funny. But also, but you said. You, you, memes are mean. <laughs> okay. memes, Hold on a second. Memes, Let me get the. Memes are mean to straight white men. They make fun of straight white men all the time. And I'm like. Well, we can handle it. Yes, and. But but one of these days. Actually, I don't think you can. Okay. That, maybe that's true too. But <laughs> the thing is, you didn't say, wait, are they talking about me? It, it was more direct to the audience. You, you said, you were like, don't do that. They're talking. You said like. They're talking you're about. You're like, that's me. I'm your toxic friend. And that was so funny because it is, because there's an element of what you're doing where it's like, does he know that it's inappropriate to yell at someone on the street, mom, and see if they turn around? And you do. You know what I mean? And so, so like that is really nice because it's like it shows that you're aware of all this stuff. So the question. So I think yeah. we confuse personality with mental illness a lot. Um, okay. And I think there's been a lot of times when I've been around people who don't like me when instead of being shit talked, I actually needed resources, resources like food stamps, resources like a social worker. Every time we say someone trauma dumped on me, what we're really saying is that that someone has one less resource. Okay. Yes. And also sometimes people trauma dump on you. Sure. Sure. And so here's, here's my point to that. Yeah. 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 There is nothing wrong with having boundaries and saying, and saying, saying, you know, David, I don't have the space right now, but what, or, you know, let's just make it about me. You know, John Michael, I don't no, have the space right me. now. I mean, yeah, I'm yeah, a high maintenance yeah, yeah, friend yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, I know. But the, 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 the goal would be this. If you were going to stop hanging out with me because I trauma dump on you or you take a break from me, you would then let someone else know why you were doing that. Okay. And that maybe I needed an extra eye. Because the thing is, is eventually... If someone is continually trauma dumping on someone, they are burning all their bridges to resources. Totally. But then at the same time, I mean, I think of it. But mm, people aren't always saying my side of the pendulum. It's almost like my side of no. the pendulum it doesn't exist. Yes. Because, because, you know, we shouldn't be using trauma dumping language. We should be saying, I don't, um, th- that goes against my boundaries. Because yeah, here's the but thing. people misuse boundaries too. But, but yeah, but here's the thing: there are moments when I am regulated, when I am fulfilled, and when I am getting a lot of my needed, you know, exercise and emotional awards that I need. Yeah. Where if someone in our network was trauma dumping on you, I would want you to tell me. In a weird way, and, and our society doesn't know how to do this because this is imperfect. Right. But I w- would want to know so that I could be trauma dumped on them because that's what I did to Fun Monster. I trauma dumped on him when I met him. But you know what he did? 
he said things to me that were said to him when he trauma dumped on people as well. There are certain people who are so broken that we need to be introduced to each other. Yeah, totally. And, you know, one of the worst terms is trauma bond because it, it makes me so sad to think that people think what I did with Ken was illegitimate or not genuine. And when people say trauma bond, it feels like... What do you mean what you did with him? I got close to him. He would often joke about how we wouldn't be friends if my mother was alive. Mm. When I moved to Chicago nine years ago, I was a lot less charming than I am now. <laughs> I was angry. Yeah. And I was loud. And I would cry. Yeah. And people didn't like it. And, you know... Um, it was my second parent figure to die when I lost my best friend after I lost my mother. Then I lost my third parent figure, mm -hmm. Ken. And it's just, you know, that, that kind of experience, as Joan Didion says, it happens to us all and it all evens out. Mm -hmm. But something I've said in my, my shows before is, that I finished the race in that sense because, you know, um, yeah, but focus on the trauma, the, the trauma bond dump thing. And, and, the, and because the thing I like about what you're saying is yes, in your solo play, you do not need like par part of my brain struggles with so much art because especially comedy and theater things, because they're making an extreme point and I do this in my own shit. And all I think of when I see something is the flip side. It turns me into like a devil's advocate guy, which I don't want to be, but I'm like, well, that's true to an extent. But for, for instance, right? Like, yes, trauma dumping means people don't have resources and people trauma dump, right? But you don't have to make, I, I'm, I'm like arguing against myself right now because you don't have to make both of those points in the play. And, and all art that's just like, it's about balance is like not super fucking interesting. It's boring. Like we need, you need to show an imbalanced, you, you, you're providing a correction to the lack of uh, toxic friend representation. We and, and I feel like trigger warnings have been trying to prevent panic attacks from happening when panic attacks should be happening in public because a panic attack. Panic attacks happen in public. We know who to look after for. Yes. And here's the thing. All my friends who died, they had to be checked upon. Right. And, you know, I think. Um, trigger warnings are trying are more for the unscathed than anyone. I think trigger warnings are for people whose uh, tens are my threes and twos. You know, I'm talking about losing a grandma. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Comparing yeah. that to this, and it feels like like well, we need to know who's sensitive and who needs to be checked on when they don't show up to rehearsal two days in a row. For sure, but I guess this, the the who gets that? I mean, it shouldn't. I shouldn't think of it as a burden. But who gets that responsibility? Like, we it, just it, need to start talking more about it. Here's definitely, a, but because there isn't a right way to do it just yet. Yes, for sure. But but here's the thing: uh, talking about it is the right way to do it. I mean, like, we shouldn't. We don't really need trigger warnings. In my, 
I mean, you can't. Well, argue. we certainly don't need the trigger warning. Say it. And then immediately go into the thing where it's like, you didn't give anyone like 30 seconds to process that and leave the theater if they want to or shield their like, yeah. But with my shows, you know what it's about. Yeah, and, and, for sure. And so I, I believe you can't argue with how you make someone feel and that I will always observe a kind of warning, whether it's done creatively. Yeah. But we don't need my trigger warning joke is that. As a nation, nationwide, we watched Game of Thrones together and cheered when right, one of the right. hottest Americans of all time, Pedro Pascal, mm-hmm. gets his eyes gouged out, gets his eyes ripped out by someone even hotter. And we need trigger warnings after that? <laughs> I mean, the, 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 what? <laughs> Oedipus was given a trigger warning and he still ripped his eyes out. <laughs> Did you prepare that one? Was that a prepped one? You, no, you did not. No. You, oh, you've just thought of that before. You're nodding. Nodding doesn't come across on, on a microphone, but. <laughs> Do you have funeral plans? Do you, are there things you know about the funeral itself or the burial that you want? Uh, uh. I want to be easy. I mean, easy for everyone involved. So if I could take away, if I was financially stable then, if I could pay for everything Mm. and pay for the restaurant bill after, like if I had money, I would do that. I would have all my things out there in the, a thing so that my family wouldn't have to go through my things for me. How would you? It, it, so I had I had one funeral. I had one funeral. I went to that uh, that. Well, you're ask, you're asking if there's planning. So I yeah. would. Uh, I went to this one funeral that was beautiful. It was from my teacher, um, my father figures, the one who said that thing about clowning about how like if you were to walk across yeah, the yeah. stage. You would not hit 150 obstacles, but yeah. you would hit that one obstacle. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, uh, his funeral had five tables of 700 books. And so the mm. people from the funeral took four or five books. And mm. I was reading one of them today. Nice. And so something like that, um, if, I was, if I was like will planning... I would make sure that I would include those closest to me to like have some fun planned. I always love that scene in John Wick, how that woman's will was to include a puppy yeah. for Keanu. Yeah. Because Keanu needed validation. Yeah. Even Keanu Reeves needs to say needs to be told it's okay Keanu. Yeah, but then it really wasn't okay. Yeah, he did a lot of mass murder. I, that's a kind of well, I I think that part was to me okay to watch, but I, I I would say that your takeaway memory of John Wick being I'm glad he got a puppy is like really <laughs> kind of like the last thing that anyone 
gets or should get from John Wick. Well, it's good to meet you. It's nice to know that I am uh, uh, making my takes hot. Okay, so funeral. Is there any other? I really want it to be easy for people, though. Oh, have you made a will? That's what I want to know. No, I haven't. Do you think about it? I mean, I think about what I what I would have to give at that point. I would want to, you know, give give, give but <laughs> but what if it happened now? Like, what would you like? Because because the more you encounter death, and the older you get, which is an encounter with death, you think. I should fucking have one of these things. It's yeah. not ju- it's not just going to magically appear. Sure, but I feel like my whole life's been planning my funeral in the sense of my solo shows. I get to mm-hmm. do mm-hmm. a show about a moment of my life. If I'm coming out while working at McDonald's, that moment of my life is mm-hmm. called Would You Like Guys With That? Mm-hmm. If I'm bullying other gay people after I came out of the closet because it was fun, I call that VA Gays Stillwater, Oklahoma. And then that's my section of my life. So I'm always doing my funeral. And I listen to other episodes and I feel like I just want it to be easy for those who love me. And, yeah. you know, thankfully I don't have that much stuff. Uh, so that would be easy to go through. But I mean, I would like to be where my mother is. Um, which is next to the U.S. Lexington in Corpus Christi. What's the U.S. Lexington? The U.S. Lexington is a retired naval ship slash museum okay. in Corpus Christi, the birthplace of Selena. Okay, and and you want to? That's be there. where my mother's ashes are. So you right want to be there that... because it's close to her, not because you care about the ship or something. I I care about the ship. We went to the ship growing up. Um, and it's also on a beach that my mother used to go to as a girl before the ship. Mm. She, her family was from Corpus. And my mother is a uh, Mexican. Uh, she's the only woman of color I'm allowed to play on stage. <laughs> okay. Sure. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Okay. Uh, but when we spread her ashes, we went to the Selena Museum. So I would want, I would want to plan, have a trip to Corpus Christi for those who love me in the books and that's you know gulf coast town yeah in texas so we've arrived at the big question which is what's your coma a moment of transformation big or small where before you were one version of yourself and after you were another i know that you have many of these, as most people do. You've documented many of these. But what's the one you want to talk about right now? Um, yeah, what's, what's, what is the one you want to talk about right now? It was this one time I had hemorrhoids for six months. Okay. And I didn't feel like I could like get rid of them. And it just told me that I had to really slow down and take my time out <laughs> shitting. <laughs> That's not my coma. That was me. This is what you don't like. <laughs> is that? No, I guess my coma. Most recently, Give Me Out Narcan has been a wonderful coma for me because I have rarely done work that is actually so much for other people. Right. 
And this is for the type of people that are hard to advocate for, the people who can sometimes be called toxic or unregulated. Um, those people, that's what the show's for. And giving out Narcan and becoming an advocate and like believing in it and doing it all while, I don't have it, it's right over there, while sparkling like my friends did. Because while my sparkling? What do you mean sparkling? So I have my Narcan necklace. It's by your cat. Mm-hmm. It's over there, but it sparkles. Okay. And I wear it because my friends who overdosed, they were so fun. Mm-hmm. And I feel like my harm reduction, I feel like my coma, the thing I'm proud of is I've made Narcan funny. And I have already saved a life. I know there's been a ripple effect. I have given out a thousand time machines. I have given people opportunity to talk about time machines. The ripple effect has already happened. Yeah. And when in the process of making the show, did you know you would be giving out the time machines? Towards the end. Um, I really? Would say towards like, uh, so I knew it uh, in, in, in December when I would do it a little about a year ago, I was like, that's what I'm going to do. Cause I wrote it down for my grant application, but this is already part of, but I didn't know how important it was going to be, but you're already talking about Narcan a lot in the show before you even are like, and I should hand it out at the end. Well, so cause that's he, wild. So he, here, here's the other thing. Um, the, the show has different phases of development and the first phase of development was from the Orlando fringe and the Cincy fringe 2023. Mm-hmm. And those two versions had me giving out Narcan in the curtain speech. And I had it on stage. So people had to come up and get it. Mm. And what happened is one in four of my audience members would get Narcan. Now, all the audiences grab Narcan because I hand it to them while I'm telling them the story. Right. Of why it's, I mean, it's a great activity to do. Talk to, about to action. You, talk about doing a la neo futurist, right? Well, right, yeah, totally, yeah, yeah, and and to just take you, well, not to take you out of your head and completely in your body, uh, in that moment. Did so, but but that's still you're handing out that that's still handing out Narcan. There was there a version of the show that was just the show and had no and was just like. Seek Narcan out or no, Narcan. No, there was, was a show. So the Spank Bank time machine existed when Ken was alive and it was going to be mostly about sex and how gay, evil, can evil would um, give me sex advice. Okay. Along with, you know, fun mops. It would be about the epidemic. No one wants to talk about one in three American yeah. men d- didn't have sex last year. Right. And they're getting upset about it. You're getting upset about it. I'm upset for them. <laughs> Do they know where I am? <laughs> These men. Wait a second. I got distracted by the apron. Okay. Okay. <laughs> where were we? We were talking about the essentialness of Narcan to the show. Okay, great. So what happened was this. Um, I had, um, I was writing the show. This is the answer to your question. I'm sorry. It took me a while to it's find okay. it. It's okay. But um, my mentor and the person who runs the Cincy Fringe, Katie Hartman, told me that the reason why she picked my show was for the Narcan demonstration. So I wasn't even going to write it at one moment, but then she said it to me. 
And the reason why I wasn't going to write it is because I didn't know how to write it. And I didn't know how to write it for the longest time. She said it to you before you even did it? Yeah, because she selected my play with the selection committee of the Cincy Fringe. Right, and she was kind of like, hey, This is you the reason do- why we selected it, huh. so please include the Narcan demonstration scene in your climax. Gotcha, gotcha, And I didn't gotcha, know gotcha, how gotcha. to do it. Okay, okay. And now that you've done it, right, so that's like pre-this pre coma, maybe I'm projecting, but the work you're making is... since it's mining your life and you're trying to build an audience and a career, it's very self, it it, is self-centered in the sense of centering yourself. And now there is a service. You're actually doing something bigger than yourself. Uh, Correct me. Am I, am I getting it right so far? And now though, because, because this is, this is a similar process for me with, the COVID safe elements of the show that I'm doing. Thank you. And, and the, but how do you think about making work in the future? Do you, do are you like, well, and then eventually I'll have to go back to making work that doesn't have a social justice element to it. Oh, I want to do a clown play that isn't about my life. I'm tired of doing trauma clown. This is my last trauma clown play for a while. Okay. Okay. And it's, it's just because rejection is really hard because when people are rejecting me, it sometimes feels like they are the reason why they don't like the idea of the play is because they believe in the stigma related to drug use. Okay. And that's not always a fact. Maybe they are rejecting me because maybe there are people more talented than me. Well, or they just, you're not for them. Yeah. But is, so even that, whatever, that thing that's not about you, will, do you imagine that also having some sort of... It's been fun to think about my friends in an effective way. And it's been fun to detach myself from the crisis that is the American theater because it's, you know, I have the most effective um, success model uh, in all of American theater right now because you don't have to see my show for it to be effective. Right. You just have to hear the name and then you go spank bank what? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What is a Narcan? Narcan is a time machine? What? Why is he talking about like that? But you're not making it. I mean. Yeah, I know. But like it's it 75 people got Narcan in Baltimore. Only 35 people saw the show. So that's the comb. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Totally. But part of you. I mean, I know for me, if What's all I cared about show? was COVID safety, I would be fucking just no, a COVID yeah, organizer, yeah, not but, performing. But, but, you know sure, I mean? sure, sure, sure. But here's the thing. I'm looking at jobs in the harm reduction community because harm reduction is such a beautiful philosophy mm-hmm. baked in with a public health uh, yeah. practice. Yeah. Um, because, you know, harm reduction professionals will always say harm reduction is a glass of cocoa for me. You know, there's like harm reduction metaphors. And for me, so, so. A glass when, of coke over me? Yeah, cocoa, hot cocoa. Okay. Or harm oh, reduction oh, oh, for oh, me oh, is oh, smoking oh. marijuana. Or okay, harm gotcha, reduction gotcha, gotcha, for gotcha. me is watching friends because yes. I have bad taste. Okay. Or harm reduction for me is making people laugh when they find out my friends overdose. And that's what I do. That's the show. Thank you for listening. 
Tell a friend who would love This Is Your Afterlife about the show. Follow John Michael on Instagram. Go to patreon.com slash Mar for more. And until next week, remember, you are a mist. Impossible, you can do miracles, miracles, you can do them, have faith, you are human, only human, and human beings they do miracles.